And the more that we put ourselves up against a standard, the more we breed room for disappointment and shame and, you know, just every day waking up, not being grateful for what we got and where we're at. Um, And I know that now more than ever. I'm like, listen, if you're out there in the trenches, you good, man. Be in those trenches. Know that they're not in vain or wasted. Nothing is wasted. And I have had to learn that there is this complex view of the world and it's messy and it's right there in the in-between and it is not invalid either way. And there are going to be moments when hurt outweighs hope and hope outweighs hurt. And, And that is okay because we have the capacity and the capability to hold both at the same time. And so even now, like right there in the messy middle part of your life, it is totally okay to hold on to hope while you are trudging through the hurtful places. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from a clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. You're listening to episode 44. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. So glad you're here joining me. Man, I've been wanting to have this conversation forever on here. Um, Just really diving into holding on to faith when life doesn't go as planned. Uh, Diving into single motherhood, into divorce in the church, into rebuilding. And for those who have just had kind of a non-traditional path in life, uh, anyone who knows anything about me knows that my life has been very non-linear. I had my son young and then went through divorce young, went through being single mom young and navigating my life and going back to school and all of these things, which I don't regret my path at all and the person that it has made me to this day. Um, But I really wanted to have more conversations about how you know, life doesn't look so perfectly planned as we always hope it will be, right? Everybody doesn't always, you know, go to school, get married, get a house, have the perfect career, the things that we idealize in society. You know, I'm personally learning more and more, especially as I've shared my story, that a lot of people actually relate to the mess and the non-linear path and the ups and downs. And that is perfectly okay if our life doesn't match these societally constructed social clocks, right? And timelines. And so... I hope that this conversation encourages you today, no matter what walk of life you're on, even if you're just going through life and you're in a transitional period where things are just going not as expected and you're finding yourself having to refine your grounding and rebuild and start over like, I feel you, I 100% get it. I've been there. And I have another friend who has been there as well. Our stories are very similar, so I was so excited to have this really raw and honest discussion with her. And today's guest is none other than my good, good friend, Tony Collier. Tony is the co-lead pastor of Hillsong Atlanta and founder of an international women's ministry called Broken Crayon Still Color that helps women process through brokenness and get to hope. She's a speaker, host, and 
and consultant that has helped organizations with creative marketing, leadership, student ministry, and strategic planning. So what I love about Tony is that she confronts the hard things, the hard issues, like straight up. She keeps it real. You'll see that. And in this digital age of anxiety, she's teaching people all over the country that you can experience brokenness and are still worthy and qualified and still called to do great things, right? So without further ado, here is my conversation with Tony. Tony, I am so happy. This is going to be so fun. I'm so happy. Come on. (laughs) So for those who don't know, you're like my sister from another mister. As soon as we met, it was like we knew each other forever. So I'm so glad to have my good friend on. Come on. Um, And we're going to dive into a really dynamic topic. But before that, let us know what is something that's just really strange or something that most people don't know about you. Just a quick fun fact to start us off. Just a quick fun fact. All right. So I was a competitive cheerleader for a very, very long time, Mm. but I grew up with three older brothers and a dad and my mom was very sick growing up. So I was a little mannish. Maybe that probably wasn't the right word to use. Boyish. Maybe I was a little rough around the edges. Yeah. And so I wanted to try out for the football team. I begged y'all. They would not let me. I literally brought up like stats from like the Women's National Football League. I really tried to go for it and they shut me down, man. They shut me down. So So that happened. This is one more thing that I'm finding that we have in common because we have so much in common. Come on. That's why I can't wait. So I was raised, I had six brothers. Um, I was in a, but I was in a blended family. So it was like half on my dad's side of the family was his side and then half on the other side with my mom. So I was raised with nothing but boys as well. They all played football. I was like the little water girl. So I remember wanting to, whenever my boys played out, my brothers played outside, wanting to go out and be like, I want to play. And they were like, no, it's too rough for you. And I just, I felt so insulted. I was like, look, don't tell me what I'm capable of. But they probably- Haters. So I feel you on that. I feel you, you on that. And uh, my brother always had to like keep them away from me. So, you okay. know, because I was a sister. So he would tell them really disgusting things about me to avert oh. them from having any crushes on me. So. Well, there you go. And there you go. Thank you all so there much. You okay. Thank you. Thank you. So, okay. For those who aren't familiar with you, you have, okay. there's, your life is so dynamic up to everything that you're doing today. I'm so inspired by uh, your, your spirit, just your courage, your stepping out, and everything that you've been through up to this point. So could you mm-hmm. let those who don't know you know a little bit about yourself up to the work that you're doing today? Oh, okay. Shoot. It's a little story time. Let's go. Um, So I too grew up in a blended family. Um, My dad had been married before. I had two brothers from his marriage and my mom had been married before a boy from her marriage. And then they had little old me. Um, So super blended family. Uh, But in the third grade, really, honestly, our family dynamic completely changed. My mom had a major stroke. We almost lost her a couple of times. And man, I became kind of the leader of the house. My two older brothers went to go live with their moms. Um, and so it just kind of broke our family up. But then even more than that, my dad was, was just verbally abusive, so aggressive, uh, in the house, but so absent from my heart and our lives. And so growing up, taking care of my mom, growing up with no nurturing and no father to really just affirm me. And so hello, daddy issues. Where you at? Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. But then after that, I, I really just grew up too fast, man. Um, 
started driving my mom to doctor's appointments and fending for myself and 13 years old, lost my virginity, uh, thought I was straight up grown, started smoking and drinking and all the things. I uh, ended up leaving my parents' house at 16, graduating high school, put myself through college. Um, and I was just wild. Can we just be real about it just for a second? Right. I was twerking in the club, okay? <laughs> Sweating my edges out every chance that I could get. Um, and just, you know, flirting with boys, seeking validation, right. but, but all the while just trying to make my dad proud, you know? And so still working super hard, trying my best to graduate early. I was going to become a lawyer. I was going to be the next Olivia Pope. I can and see it. Validation got in the way again. At 19 years old, I graduated college uh, with my undergraduate degree, was supposed to go to law school, but met a boy. And after three months we were dating and he was like, you want to move to Georgia? And I was like, yes, I will move to Georgia with you from Texas. Come on, move my crazy behind to Georgia. Um, ended up being such a toxic relationship with abuse, verbal abuse, poverty. I ended up getting pregnant, um, having my little girl, uh, but all the while still just trying to prove my dad wrong. And so hiding a whole bunch of just toxicity and abuse uh, from my family and from my friends, uh, got into ministry by happenstance, which I feel like it's all of our crazy story, right? It's like stumbled in the church mm -hmm. and God spoke to my heart. And was that one I got message. saved at 21. Yeah. You know it. Yeah. Uh, God saved at 21, started serving in youth ministry. Um, and after just a really rough divorce and a whole bunch of church hurt, found my way back into ministry. Um, and here I am now, man, getting to, to lead a women's ministry called Broken Crayons, helping women process through brokenness um, and planting a brand new church with woo. my husband woo, woo. called Hillsong Atlanta. So exciting. So, that's it. That's it. In a nutshell. Wow. I feel like I just that killed was, that. That was great. I mean, you got really concise with your testimony there. Have you <laughs> done this a few times? Just one day. Just a few times. Right. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So the theme for today's podcast is when life doesn't go as planned, keeping the faith when life mm -hmm. doesn't go as planned. And as you know, our stories are so similar. I also, my parents went through divorce young, came from a kind of a broken household where um, wow. my parents went in different directions, ended up with abusive uh, and toxic people, kind of left me to myself. Mm -hmm. I moved out at 16 years old as well. And I actually moved in with my grandparents. So I was left to myself. I was, you know, all over the place wow. like you, just wild, just it, you know, just being out there. And then I met my, yeah. my ex at 16, 17 and had my wow. son at 18. And That's then right. um, from there, we ended up, I, I actually went back to church within that time. Um, a lot wow. of stuff that went on in between, but it did lead me back to church, just wanting to find mm -hmm. community, get myself planted. And, uh, you know, and then we decided we were going to get married from there, was of the mindset we shouldn't be cohabitating and we need to keep it pure <laughs> and all these up. things we're shacking up. Like, you know, really jumped into it for all the wrong reasons, you know, yeah. but I'm always so grateful for the lessons that it taught me. Um, raising a family young, like you said, growing up really fast. That was something yeah. I had also experienced. Uh, and so, yeah, got married really young. And what's funny is we actually, you were leaving Dallas. We moved to Dallas <gasps> because, Stop. yeah, we moved to Dallas for two years because it's impossible to live in California. I mean, it's really yeah. difficult. It's really pricey out here as a young family. Um, moved yeah. to Dallas, also went through this kind of poverty, like how are we going to pay rent and mm -hmm. all these 
issues that hit the fan. Uh, thankfully was involved in ministry that was like a family and very supportive through that Um, and then we did go through divorce as well he decided to go a different Mm -hmm. route with his life I try not to exploit that situation with him too much because yeah he's still on his journey and I'm still praying for you know God's work in his life but yeah but yeah and so uh, then ended up moving back home going back to school all this stuff so yes so we have these stories of how just life did not go the way that we planned no one thinks they're gonna have a kid at 18 and obviously there were a lot of life circumstances that kind of put us in those positions where we were left to ourselves and reacted to these decisions out of a place Mm -hmm. of maybe void or you know what we thought was love at the time or trying to fix the situation um okay yeah i think that even for me there was a brokenness in me that i also saw in my ex at the time and trying to save trying to fix and i maybe thought marriage would do all those things but we still had our individual journeys so you know um so again just our stories align so much then we ended up being single single moms um i know for you it wasn't super long but still there's still a lot you have to process through now being a single mom rebuilding your life and then blending into a relationship Um, And then now into the ministry work you're doing today, I'm doing today. It took me forever to even just talk about my past divorce and like everything I went to because I felt like so much shame around it until I, right? Until I healed and was like, wait, no, this is my story and I'm better for it and can connect with a lot of people on a lot of different levels because of all these dynamics in my story. Um, So, you know, I, so as far as when life doesn't go as planned, right? And this happens Ugh. for a lot of people. On one side, it can feel devastating and shameful, right? Mm. But it can also lead you to places that you never would have imagined for yourself. Like, yeah. I never would have imagined I've been doing the work I'm doing. You probably would have never imagined you'd be planting a Hillsong no. church in Atlanta. Um, so just speaking to that and... yeah. Um, yeah. What are your Gosh. thoughts on that? Man, it, you know, I, one of the things that I've heard that that just radically changed my life is that, um, man, I was randomly at the Dove Awards in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Don't know why my little crazy behind was there, but I was there, honey. And um, I was with Sam, my husband now, but boyfriend at the time. And he uh, he sees Beth Moore. And I'm like, hyperventilating sis my pits are sweating I'm like oh gosh that's Beth that's Beth I see her hair I think that's her I only see the back of her head it's her hair um and and he was like you need to go talk to her and I'm like bro just chill out bro like I don't want to be a fangirl man like I want to be cool about it and I'm in counseling at the time and I'm trying to get my freaking life together and I'm going through Beth Moore study so long insecurity you've been a bad friend to us and I'm just like getting all the depths of my heart in place Girl, this sucker drugged me over, drugged me over to Beth Moore. And he said, this is my girlfriend. Her name is Tony. And your book is changing her life. And she's been going through a lot. She didn't went through a lot in her <laughs> life. And I'm like, hey, Beth, this is crazy, girl. What's up? Sis? So like, laid it all out. It's so random. Yeah, just put all my business out there. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Sam. Anywho, <laughs> Beth Moore grabs me by the arm. I'm sure she'll never remember this, maybe. Um, but she she looked at me and prophetically she said, you know, isn't it really hard when you look at 
all these women who have these beautiful stories and and it just looks like God's just on their side and they're just, you know, they're they're on, you know, this right track and everything's just going right for them and they got the white picket fence and da da da. I'm just like tears are welling in my eyes because I'm like, Beth, you don't even know, sis. I've been twerking in the club. I've been <laughs> married once. I've been divorced. It's wow. Right. And she said, but you know, some of us get to stand in the trenches. Right. Some of us, it's our superpower to be able to endure and to tell other women that they too can endure. And I am just like shaking, trembling, yes. Beth freaking more. And, and that's what I carried with me literally for years. Yeah, I get to stand in the trenches. I get to be strong enough to endure all the crap that I've been through from verbal abuse to sexual manipulation and abuse to physical abuse. I mean, the list just goes on to financial right. strife, wick, food stamps, financial assistance from my own church that I worked at while my pastor drove around a four-door Porsche. Like, come on. Like, right. I get to go through that. And now I'm at a place in my life where I'm like, I'm so glad yeah. that I'm a little rough around the edges. Like, so, so glad that people look at me and they're like, Tony is nuts, so bro. Like, <laughs> I don't even know how this girl is doing ministry. She's so nuts. We don't know how. But it's beautiful. <laughs> like, how am I doing? Right? Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has Groupinar sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify, and you can apply for financial aid during the sign-up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. 
I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Yeah, it's great. And uh, do you ever get, have you ever had people look at you or you're sharing things and they think, oh my gosh, you're, you are wise beyond your years. Do you get that a lot? <laughs> oh yeah, girl, hundred percent. But I've always had an old soul, you know, just like growing up super fast. It just kind of comes, yeah. I guess, to the territory. Uh, but people are just like, man, and how old are you? And I'm like, right. sometimes I don't even want to say it, honestly, because I'm like, dang, they're going to be like, what does little whippersnapper know? She don't know nothing. <laughs> I'm in my 20s. Okay. I'm in my 20s. All right. So our bad. But yeah, I get it all the time, man. And I, I love it, honestly, because it's just I, I got some miles on me. You know what I'm saying? Like I left out of the house at 16. I got some miles on me. Yeah, I um, I totally good, agree. Man. I asked because yeah. I got that a lot where it was like, oh, like you have, you know, you're, you just have wisdom beyond your years or how and my yep. friends were always older, like maybe 10 years older. I always felt 10 years older than what I am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but and then it's older friends, too. Yes. Yeah, I always had older friends, but it's also because of the life experience, right, that you carry yep. with you. And so even for me, and we're going to talk about the social clock um, and having a non-traditional path in life, you know, for me, mm. like I'm back in school right for mental health pursuing clinical psychology a lot of the people I know are done like they finish early I remember feeling behind as far as going back to school where other people all the friends have already got their master's or PhD and all these things you know but I also realize I'm so glad that I had all this crazy life experience going into schooling in the field because it added this huge dynamic to my educational experience um, where I could understand the information quickly and and quickly apply it to things that I had seen in my life, personalities I'd encountered, relationship dynamics, and all the madness. So in a way, like you said, it becomes your superpower. Because for me, when I'm sharing this mental health information and content, it's like you don't have that imposter syndrome of, okay, I'm not as far along as other people yeah. that I know, but at the same time, I have this wide range of crazy experiences that sure. are real and relatable. And that's always been my goal is to take this research data oriented field and make it more applicable to yeah, the everyday so person good. and their everyday life. And ex- by way of experience has got that because m- people can pass a test, people can read a book, but life experience is something that is extremely valuable that connects in a whole different way. So I'm grateful for the timing of things, even though that same timing I used to feel an imposter or shameful or what have you about. And so what are your thoughts on this, on this social clock, right? Of you being married at this age, having a home at this age? Because I'm sure there are, besides us, there are a lot of people listening to this who have had this nonlinear path and, you know, they're not married yet or they don't have a house yet or they're not even moved out of their parents' house yet or they're going back to school after all these years and just the social construct of the social clock it's versus like, what God actually does in our lives. Like, I don't even think the social clock's real. I just think it's a construct. But what are your oh, thoughts on that? Someone better, you better call them out. First and foremost, <laughs> I'm just sick of you having the same life as me. You know what I'm saying? I literally <laughs> just went back to school. I am getting, my, I'm in seminary. Yeah. So I'm getting my master's. I 100% feel like 
so many of my pastor friends are like, yeah, I went to Liberty. I was like 20. And yeah, I'm like, they're like yeah, 19. Okay. I'm yeah. doing this at night in between putting my daughter to bed and living my best life. Okay. Yes. Can I have, um, but can so I just I be my you. own person? Can I have my own life? Can, can you, I just have my own life? Can I have I'm my own life? Because okay. you're, you're me and I'm you. you and I really what? just, I need my own life. <laughs> Girl, I'm telling you. So I understand. I feel you so deeply on this, like going back to school thing, but you're so right. Like there are papers that I think I write from a place of experience versus like super knowledge. Like I don't have to go and research things because I've been in ministry. I know what it's like. I know the authenticity. In the trenches. Around, you know, yeah, hard volunteer conversations, all those things. Here's what I would say. I did a little research on social clock because one of the things that my, um, counselor pointed out very early on is something that's, I mean, it's coined parentified child syndrome. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's me taking care of my parent during the time that they were supposed to be taking care of me. Right. And there's like this natural progression or supposedly this natural progression of when you kind of switch the clock on your responsibilities with your parent. And it's like 40, maybe 50, not eight. You know what I'm saying? And so I used to to lean on that so much. And I'm just like, well, I was never mothered. So it's very hard for me to mother. And I was never, you know, taught how to be a wife and wash my face every day. Girl, we just going to be get real here. It wasn't but about three, four years ago where I was like, wait, we got to take our makeup off. Like it don't <laughs> before we go to bed. <laughs> like, got you. Okay, 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 okay. I feel you. I feel you. Like so many little things like that, that I really did miss out on. But let me tell you this, what I loved about, what you just explained, and we say this all the time in our women's ministry, is that hurt and hope can coexist, right? So like you explain this like picture of your your life and leaving the home at 16 and having to live with your grandmother and fend for yourself, but then you get this, this super early start in ministry and you have this lovely community because of it, and then you bounce back and now you're here in school and you've got so much knowledge and wisdom and we have seen the things that you have posted. Let's be honest, we've seen how rich and deep they are, but- I mean, that is the beauty, the hurt and hope place that we get to kind of toy within. And I think when we start looking at, you know, the constitutional or the corporate ways of living and how things are supposed to be, you know, as a pastor, you know, I I think about this spiritual realm, like, bro, what are we even talking about? Like God's so big and flexible and crazy. Like one day to us is a million to him and a million to us is one day to him. And we're just living this crazy freaking vortex matrix life of figuring it out. And the more that we put ourselves up against a standard, the more we breed room for disappointment and shame and, you know, just every day waking up, not being grateful for what we got and where we're at. Um, and I know that now more than ever. I'm like, listen, if you're out there in the trenches, you good, man. Be in those trenches. Know that they're not in vain or wasted. Nothing is wasted. So forget that dang social club. Forget it. Forget it. Don't get away today. Throw it out the door. <laughs> Throw it out the door. I always say, first yeah. of all, somebody's going to be like, Tony just called God crazy. <laughs> I did. Um, I did. Okay. Play that beyond Ah, what we can dream or imagine, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah. And and what's crazy is that I always say this: God is not on a social clock. Like God created time, right? So He's not on a social clock. Man is on a social clock. And even those social clocks change from generation to generation and era to era. Like if we were on a social clock 
hundreds of years ago, our marriage date should have been 15, 16 years old. You know what I'm saying? Um, That's what I'm saying. And then you move it along and now people are getting married later also because, you know, women are working, going to school now, all these other dynamics. So these social clocks are very culturally based. Um, Even though I I totally understand there are ideal times for things for people and that's fine. But like you said, if you um, get too stuck on those plans and they don't happen, it breeds a lot of shame. It breeds a lot of what is wrong with me that I haven't Mm -hmm. gotten here yet. And the truth is God knows your path, you know, and it is perfect for you. Like I think about my life and everything I went through very young. I remember having that moment where it's like, God, why am I going through so much so young? (laughs) Curled up, curled up on the floor, man. And then I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's really incredible that I actually got through all these things so young. One, I got to discover my resilience and now I feel like I could literally Mm -hmm. go through anything and come out of it because I've seen what I've gone through in the past. you know, uh, and, and two, just being able to sit with people along a variety That's of it. spectrums of life, like being able That's to it. sit with the person who's been divorced, being able to sit with the person who's a single mom or pregnant, unexpectedly pregnant and young, yeah. or being able to sit with the person who is having a career change or going back to school later in life, like being able to sit with all these different spectrums of people in their life i truly owe to this non-linear path that happened in my life and still worked out for good so i definitely want to highlight what you just said it never goes to waste like it is all useful um yeah and so that's That's what's amazing and Mm -hmm. well that's my favorite part too though Brittany. it's like we, we have a women's course we have 50 women going through this women's course right now it's it it's almost mind blowing sometimes when a woman says, "Oh, you know, I went through an eating disorder." I'm like, "Oh, I battled with bulimia for six months." Oh, you know, I've gone through this divorce. Oh, girl, I feel you. Oh man, you know, I've I've you know kind of been in a, in the financial strain, and I'm kind of embarrassed about WIC and food stamps. I'm like, I got you, girl. I know that feeling. I've been on and both. Then, you know, also, like it, so. it's like come on. Like you can't make this stuff up. You can't bring these crazy broken stories into such a redemptive place, not only for us, the person that endured it, but for the people that we get to touch. Like if not for anything, then for the people that we get to touch with our stories, you know? Yeah. And so practically and so practically resourceful. That's what's so cool, because when someone is looking for how to get health insurance or how to get like Medi-Cal or how to get the WIC or the food stamps, because you've done all these things, um, when someone else is going through it, you could be like, oh, look, you go apply here. You go to, you know, your DHS office. You sit down. Compass.gov. Healthcare.gov. See if you qualify. Like, you know, all I did it right. Like I was, you know, I was. I went through all these things. So for again, for yeah. some, for those who are listening and it's like, look, <laughs> I've been in the trenches and it yeah. doesn't feel like it's looking up. Just know that there is a plan for your life. And this is yeah. a chapter, not the whole story. And I do mm-hmm. believe that you are going to look back on this and realize yeah. how much it grew you, how much it gave you wisdom and resourcefulness yeah. and practicality for where God is taking you and the people that he is Beautiful. bringing you to. Um, um, so I want to touch back on, I know, breathe. We're going to let that soak right. in. I have to remember to just let things soak in. Otherwise, I'll know. just keep running. So, okay. I want to talk about divorce in the church <gasps> and single yes. motherhood while I have, because I don't always have a bunch of people 
like I said, who have the same intersections as I, I've had in life. Yeah. So it's I want to take advantage of the opportunity to both just share on our experiences that probably relate to someone else who has been through divorce and in the church. Um, and the shame that we can feel oh, after man, that yeah. divorce, the failure that we can feel, even if we, like both of us were in toxic relationships, right? That yep. we probably rode out to the very limit to where it was like, oh, look, either we're so going to sink or get off. out and swim, right? I had that image. Right. It was like either I'm gonna, me and my son are gonna go down in this ship, or we're gonna get out and yep. swim. Right. So Ugh, we yeah. had to make our way out. And even still, even though we got out of a situation that was toxic or not great for us, there is still this shame about mm. your plans not working out and this feelings of these feelings of failure. And then you go to church and you feel like you're in this in-between space, right? Sometimes yeah. it can feel like there's not really a space for single parents. I think more yeah. churches are expanding that now, which is really great. But a lot of times there's either like the singles group or the marrieds group. And right. your life doesn't look like either one, right? Your life doesn't look like the singles group. They tend to be very, very young, right? Yep. Um, different life experiences. or And then the marrieds are marrieds. They're a unit, you know? And, you know... Some people feel some type of way about being a third party single mom, you know, oh, like for sure. It's like, hey, what are we eating? It's like, okay, <laughs> or whatever. No okay. You know? Yeah, like who is this woman that's always hanging around? You know, this girl. so not that that's weird. That's never hap- actually happened, but I know that there's a thing. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, it feels like it. Yeah, it feels like there's it. a thing. Yeah. So sometimes you can feel like in church that there's no space for you. Like, I remember going yeah. to church and feeling like right after being a single mom and feeling like, there just wasn't really a place for me, even though everyone was very kind and embracing and loving, just the dynamic of the way people grouped. Um, so what are your thoughts and feelings or advice, experience as far as navigating being a single parent in the church um, yeah. and dealing with those feelings of shame and divorce around yeah. church with this theology about divorce that is like... Yeah consumed with sin as well it's very associated oh, with sin i know yeah man there's so much of this um, i know <laughs> God, I mean, there, there just is man but the first thing i will say is I, i'd love to just affirm your point with you know the church bishop jake says you know if i don't see me then it's not for me um and and that's just so true for so many different things from you know race to gender to even ageism when we start to break it down you know people walk into churches and they just don't have a place for them um, and, and we thrive off a of community. We know that. And when people go to church, they are looking for, you know, deep relationship with God, but also godly community. Like, let's just be real. Okay. I'm not going to the club looking for Christian friends. Okay. I'm going to church. And so we want that. And we have to figure out ways as a church to create strategies that, that are more inclusive. It, it may even be a checkbox on a survey or a sign up form that says, have you been divorced before or a single parent? I mean, just something so we can connect. Um, because I think what, what churches forget is that, you know, people are, are self-led. I mean, they are coming to church for access and strategies to be in deeper relationship with God, but they will lead their lives. And we learned that even from digital strategy with Facebook, like in our Facebook group, there was very little that we needed to do. We just got all the broken women who weren't afraid to say I'm broken in one place. And then they just like went for each other. They're like, hey, girl, I got this. Send me your number. Send me your email. Boom. And so I think we do have to do better as a church. I just want to speak to and affirm that, 
you know, to, to try to be more inclusive, even with the ways that we market and put out information. Um, but dang it, let's go on to divorce. Okay. Goodness gracious. Um, I stayed in my abusive, toxic marriage longer than I should have and caused more damage to my daughter and myself um, because I was ashamed. And I was not ashamed because of my friends. Let's be honest, because I had some pretty crazy friends that was like, leave him, girl, leave him. Um, I wasn't ashamed because of my parents. And then I there mean, were all the, sorry, not to interrupt. Then there's no, also go. the people who are like, stay, you have to stay. Even yes. not take into account how destructive it is to your life yes. with no empathy and just legalism. So I got some Man, of that too. Off. And I look back, I was like, they were not really looking at. It's like, sit down, <laughs> sit down. You should not be speaking. You have no this. idea. But and they, it used to be, people. it's people who don't even, haven't gone through it. Or they usually oh, have, yeah. don't even oh, have, no idea. have no, no idea, idea, but they're saying like, basically you need to stay in this toxic relationship for these reasons, having 100%. no idea what that does to your life or your yeah, child's Yeah, they haven't life. seen an argument last for seven hours and in and a door ripped off the hinges and uh, a hole punched in the wall. They didn't, People haven't seen that kind of trauma and fear. Um, but even those people, and because I had them too, like, oh girl, stay and make it work. It's all good. Family members, oh my gosh, my in-laws, oh, it's okay. He's this, that. It wasn't even them. It was literally the shame from the church. I grew up Catholic. They're so very rigid on divorce and all kinds of other topics. And I had a platform for lack of better words. I was in the church. I was working full-time staff. I had this demeanor and this persona to uphold. And and shame on the church, man. Shame on the church for making us believe that, that our imperfections discount us from the glory of God. Shame. Shame on them because it does produce, I mean, so many unhealthy trauma bonds, toxicity, generational unhealth over and over and over again. And I had to get over that, man. And, and that started in me. I had to be confident enough. And I honestly had to be bold enough to have my own deep and intentional relationship with God and stop being contingent on my leaders and my pastors to define my relationship with God and what God was speaking to my heart. Um, but it took a while, man. It took so much confidence, building, boosting um, to be able to to really say, no, I'm unsa- I'm not I'm not safe here and my daughter's not safe here. And and I believe in a God that came on this earth sent his son to die for our sins for redemption, not shame. And so cares about your safety where? because Go- that's the crazy part, right? Because when you get in those relationships and people are telling you to stay and, you know, yeah, don't let what out. was done by God be undone or whatever, like they, it's that what they're now doing is they're painting a picture as though God cares about the abuser or the perpetrator or my ex right. my ex was not an abuser so I won't say that but you know the dis- the destructive one more right, the toxic, the toxic slightly more toxic. than he cares about you and your safety right. and what's good for your kid and it it creates that narrative and so yeah. here you are sacrificing going through things receiving you know all this damage and being damaged but you're being and then you're being told to stay because God loves marriage. And then it's like, OK, yes. Mm-hmm. But also at what point do we say God also cares about the individual within the marriage that yeah. is is uh, undergoing this? Because yeah. when we don't have when we go black and white like that and we don't 
understand or have the dynamic. Um, We're doing a lot of bypassing that is toxic to the individual that's being abused or that's going through these things. And we have to remember that God also cares about the individual as well yeah and the kids god loves the children and the kid let's <laughs> not even forget the small little kid and it puts it makes god so small it literally says there's only a few things god can forgive there's only a few things that god can lean into and pay attention to no what are you talking about god was with me when i printed out all 92 pages of those divorce papers when i went and stayed up in ihop all night long and drank coffee because i didn't have money for food and filled out these papers by myself. God was with me when the random white, older white guy lawyer came up to me randomly while I was trying to figure all this paperwork out and said, you know, I have a daughter that's going through a divorce as well. I'd like to help you for free. Wow. That's favor. I'd like to help you for free. Like, come on, God is right there. And, and when we discount a God that shows up in the brokenness, we discount Jesus. Yeah. So stop it. <laughs> and we miss his heart. We miss his heart. So who he is so compassionate. Oh my gosh. So yeah, girl, but made it through. Everything's all good. Community was another hard thing. I don't know about you, but lost a lot of community um, after my divorce and really had to rebuild in a, in a really, really intentional and prayerful way. Yeah. Um, That was just weird and hard. It was like, who gets the friends? You get the friends, I get the friends. Okay. Yeah, when you have those mutual friends, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, see, for me, no. after our divorce, I had moved back to California, so I kind of had to rebuild mm. anyway. So wow. I just kind of had a whole new start where I wow. I actually tried out a bunch of different churches and seeing where I connected the most right. and built community that way. Um, and yeah. so, so, yeah, there is a rebuilding. But what's so cool is, like, when you witness yourself – when you witness yourself being able to completely start over from rock bottom and rebuild your life and in a healthier way, you're like, okay, God, like (laughs) I can can start over. I can do this at any time. And I have to say, maybe you can speak to this as well, moving into the dating single mom portion, um, blending into a relationship. You're obviously married and you guys are pastoring a church and, you know, I'm in this wonderful three-year relationship where we're blending and, you know, we're looking at the future as what we know, you know, we know where we're going. We're preparing for that. (laughs) But, um, like having that stage of one feeling like who is gonna date me and take on a kid right yeah I know a lot of single moms have that and a lot of shame around that um yeah and I remember having that until I got to a place where I was really content with my life and my and kind of the system that we had going to the point where I was like oh we're all we're good like whoever comes into our life needs to be an addition needs to be a blessing and when I was <laughs> dating it was like and if it doesn't work if it doesn't work out even with my uh, with Jason now with my boyfriend now in the beginning it was like you know what if it doesn't work out I know I can start like I know I can start over I know I can yeah. rebuild like I know I can keep going forward and still be okay yep. because I That's went so through good. this loss and this divorce so it almost gave me a confidence kind of going forward so yeah. it it's took not a lot a of pressure thing. off of our it's relationship not a thing yeah yeah what we talked about earlier it's like we have these pasts full of brokenness but look at what you learned a confidence that you just wouldn't have had if you didn't yeah. have to rebuild so i just i just wanted to say that my bad no absolutely it. because it took a lot of pressure off of us dating in the beginning because i was obvious i was kind of of the mindset before we got into a relationship that i would be single until i like 
finish my PhD program and another, yeah. you know, six, seven years. And then, you know, so I was kind of like, I- I'm content with where I am and we'll make it, you know. But then he yeah. came, look at God, he came into my life. Oh, <laughs> Just wow. really wonderful person, you know, really wonderful person. And um, in the beginning, I wasn't in this rush to marriage. I wasn't in this rush to introduce my son or to prove ourselves. Like I was totally content. And, uh, you know, because I had this feeling of, you know what? I hope this works out. It's really beautiful. But if it doesn't, that's okay. Like I know I'll be okay. So we really got to take our time and just enjoy getting to know each other. I actually didn't introduce Austin and Jason until about a year and a half into our relationship because I spent that first year just getting to know us and our foundation because for me coming from a blended family you know my parents had introduced people into our lives that were toxic and abusive and I wish they had taken the time to get to know these people before they brought them into our lives not that I ever thought Jason was that but I think I did have this subconscious of I want to take the time to get to know this person and make sure we have a foundation and they are a health and stable and, you know, we have a stable relationship yeah. before introducing him. And also when he felt comfortable as well. And so it was great for us. But I feel like the reason why I was able to, we were able to take our time and not have a lot of that pressure yeah. is because I had this feeling of, no matter how this turns out, I know I'm going to yeah. be okay. So let's just take our time and have fun and get to know each other. And now we know our future, but... That's so good. But so so for Listen, me, that's what trans, that's what blending this. looked like for me and transitioning. So I, I'm curious for yours. Okay, so we have so many things popping over here. I had a really <laughs> hard transition, but much like you, <laughs> that's a lot of people. Um, yeah, I was like, oh no, nah. like I'm, this is it. Like I'm probably not ever going to get remarried. Yeah. I'm going. I'm, I'm about to do my thing. I actually got hired uh, at the Girl Scout corporate level, and I was going to build programming for inner city Girl Scouts moms that in battered shelters, like all of that and strategy to help serve girls um, just in really bad situations. And so I was like, oh, we straight. Like I'm about to get my little apartment, like bada boom, bada bang. And lo and behold, Sam comes up out of nowhere. So just so ready, so on fire. He's like, hey, let's go on a date. I'm like, okay. like, Wait, where did you guys meet? Man, listen, we met at a church planning meeting. I was done with the church because of so much church hurt and spiritual manipulation and abuse. And, um, this guy calls me and he's like, man, you know, I want to use your creative strategy brain. Can you come help us plant this church? I'm like, nah, but I'll give you a strategy to do it. And so he's like, all right, cool. So I put this whole little strategy and stuff together. I give it to him. I was like, all right, bro. Thank you. Bye. He's like, all right, one more thing. I got this guy. We want him to be the pastor of our church. Do you mind coming to present this thing to him? And I'm like, man, I'm done with the church though, bro. Like I'm about to go into this nonprofit world. Like I'm about (laughs) to do my thing. Wow. And um, so I ended up going and doing the presentation and I was presenting to Sam. Wow. And, you know, at the time I had gone through my divorce. Like I was like, listen, nah, but I really hadn't told a lot of people. And so little did I know, Sam was texting the guy like, yo, who is this chick? And the guy was like, who didn't know? No, 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 man. She's like married. Like, nah, like you got to keep your hands off of her. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, I know. So he backs off. But um, then I have to post a statement about the divorce because my ex decided to get on some just sex, just some dating sites and, and it was just hard. 
And so um, people were just like, whoa, what is going on? And so I ended up having to say it publicly so that people would, you know, understand, hey, like, you know, this happened. We're no longer together. If you see him on Bumble, it's, it's swipe left and right. It's all <laughs> Tinder. Good. Like, you know. Yes. We know that the, the behold, statement. I had to do the statement, too. So I, I feel girl, weird. Oh, isn't it so oh, weird? Yes. So weird. Because I literally had a girl come to me. You like, don't know how people are going to react. Hey, like, call your husband on Bumble. I'm like, yeah. God dang it. Um, <laughs> so I had to do it. But. As yeah. soon as that statement went up, lo and behold, you feel free. Little old Sam slid on in. Wow. He's like, You trying to go on a date? And he <laughs> knew what he wanted. We when I finally did agree to the date, that sucker was like, I want to be married. Like, I want to be married. I I and it was crazy because I mean, yeah, you get the it's like I got a kid. Like, you're not, there's no way, right? He was like, I'll take care of you and your daughter. Aww. I'll help with whatever. I mean, he was so fully in. God just shaped um, his heart and, and for yeah, you guys. So the rest is history. We got married and it was such a transition because I had not gone to counseling yet. So I had transitioned from this marriage. I was like, ride or die. I'm good. I'm doing my thing. Yep. And I get into this other relationship and we're dating and I am flipping out. You have All to process everything. Yeah. yeah. It took oh, it yeah. takes a while. It took me a good year or two to process Girl. before even thinking. So the fact that you jumped in, you had to process th- while in the experience, which Girl. says a lot to your relationship that you guys that he's Yeah, for sure, but really... also I would like to say don't do that. <laughs> I just want to just, you know, what we're just going to be 100% real. Don't don't do it because here's yeah. the deal. And don't quote me on this because this is not a statistic that I've read. But when you, when I start to think back to at least my marriage and my first marriage and, and the women that I get to, to help and serve and, and sit with intimately now, I'm, I'm not, I'm talking about like 10 out of 10. They were both unhealthy or one was unhealthy. Yes. Somebody had some childhood wounds that had not scabbed over and become scars. Something yes. was there that that was just toxic and not and unhealed. Even if yeah, even if you're with the person who is showing all the toxic traits and the destructive traits, there was something about you that chose that person and that Come chose on. to be with that person. So there had to be something on, toxic Brittany. and dysfunctional within you to Come see on. something familiar to choose that person that is still undealt with. So I completely agree with you. And sometimes you don't yes. realize that or deal with it until after the marriage. Because you're like, oh, wait, mm-hmm. it wasn't just them. Like, yeah, they perpetrated. But also, what was up? What's going on with me on. that I allow myself in this situation? So you're right. It's usually there's saying. something toxic no. with both people. And you have to process and heal with that. That's all. Well, then we get surprised, sis. We're like, well, why didn't it work? <laughs> right. Well, you know, I really do believe that the best marriages or the marriages that last are with two healthy whole people who were pursuing holiness. 100%. And, and and I just commend you for taking the time to say there was something in me that chose it. There was a trauma bond. There was a past famili- familiarity. Yep. There was something in me, and I want to clean that up. Yep. And now that I've cleaned it up, now I'm even ready to invite another person into my life. And now yeah. I'm even more capable to point out the unhealth. Awareness. Come on. Yes. Tony, I wrote down after my divorce, I literally journaled every single romantic relationship I had been in up to that point. Wow. I journaled all of them, how they ended, why they ended, what I noticed. And I saw, I started seeing patterns, right? Come on. I just did this whole process, that whole healing process. And I was like, 
okay, this is my tendency. This is where it's coming from. And it made me so aware that literally the next stage of life, walking into relationships, I was a completely different person. I saw things completely differently. And it did lead me to choose someone who is safe and mature, the healthiest relationship I've ever had. And just, I'm just like so grateful that I, did the work so i definitely recommend it like you said do your work girls do the work for real because otherwise out of habit you'll find yourself yep. bringing in familiarities and settling for less than what you're actually worth 100 percent. yeah and let me say this i did the work but unfortunately i did the work while being remarried and you know what's so unfortunate about that when you're healing you leak Okay. And you don't, I mean, unhealth and toxicity, honey, it does not stay isolated. If you are an unhealthy mom, you're an unhealthy husband, wife, daughter, friend, everything, leader, coworker, everything. And I leaked so much on Sam, so much. I'm honestly surprised that this brother is still standing. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> thank you, Sam. My bad. Okay. And, and I don't, you know, I don't have regret. I don't carry shame or guilt for anything, but if there's anything again, that we will learn from our decisions it is to come back and say to you that are listening right now, there is a better way. Yeah. And the way that you choose is going to unfold in a beautiful way. It's going to be great, but there's an easier path. There is an easier yes. path. Okay. Deal with the so shame. Now. Yeah. Deal with the shame. If you're feeling shame over the divorce and that's right, that's owning your story right now, deal with it. Because if yep. you don't, the shame, the fear, the failure, whatever it is, that's going to be running in the background of your choices. Right. Yo, and so good. going forward. So you definitely want to deal with it, whether it's seeing a therapist. I saw therapists during that time. I had times of major anxiety where I felt like my life was mm. totally out of control. And so when we're living out of these places, when fear and shame and inadequacy is driving, then we end up making reactions instead of choices right we're reacting to things when this you know maybe person comes into our life that isn't great for us but we're just responding because they're feeling an inadequacy or they're covering up our shame and going oh wait no i am okay because this person chose me even though Mm. they're toxic or dysfunctional not good for you right so we make those decisions out of these places if we don't heal they you either own your story or these things own you and that's why we want to deal with it right so definitely take that time definitely want to encourage that and also differentiating the difference between no one is perfect and what we're talking about as far as being health unhealthy and toxic and all that i know we throw the word toxic around a lot but we're not talking about being imperfect right because we're all imperfect we're always gonna have things to work on and god bless you when you find someone who will work through it with you um but we're talking about really those underlying cycles that we repeat that are destructive that are tearing our life down that are destroying us and those around us that's what we mean not just imperfections so i did want to yeah yeah (laughs) if i were to put in a nutshell girls remember this girls and guys stay on the offense not the defense we have to stay on the offense side of our lives let's be proactive there's so come on Brittany. there's so many tools that we have now bro are you kidding me my parents don't even know what verbal abuse is. I'm like, well, you did it, okay? They don't even know. <laughs> we didn't have language. There was no language. Things, and we definitely didn't have strategies right. um, and access to all the information that we have now. Shout out to our girl, Brene Brown. Oh my gosh, Helping yes. us with vulnerability, shame, all the things, and so many other people. But you have access yeah. to live healthy lives. Like, do not take that stuff for granted. Go and figure out what you need, okay? 
So yeah. Yes. And coming from threes, because I know we're both threes, we are very high functioning yes. and productive. And if you're that way too, just know that it is okay if God's purpose in this season is just for you to heal. I do want to oh. say that because sometimes we can kind of cover up the route of healing or shortcut it by trying to do things, by trying to prove things, yep. by jumping into a relationship to prove ourselves. No, look, I am okay. Nothing's wrong with me. You know, I am worthy of this. Pause. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's okay to pause and just take that time, like you said, to invest in yeah. these resources, to go to therapy, to read these books, whatever it is, um, to just heal, to just sit in healing um, yeah. so that you can go forward from a different direction you can change the entire direction not just for you but generationally right because yep. what you're showing your children uh going forward for those who are single parents so i, mm. I appreciate you highlighting that we want to live intentional we want to live out of intentionality and not reactivity uh there's a Ugh, complete yeah. difference right um so thank you for that and just all Woo! of that being said <laughs> what because we can talk forever i already Girl, know for real <laughs> For real. What encouragement do you have for someone who is currently in a transitional season who may be feeling yeah. hopeless about the future, whether they're transitioning to going back to school or they're a newly single parent or life just hasn't gone as planned and they're feeling yeah. like maybe God left left them out or God forgot them or God doesn't love them yeah. enough to have let them go through those things because you feel all that faith crisis. Like, what are the things that, I don't know, what is the encouragement you have for someone who's Man, in that place? Man, the things that fuel me or have really fueled me throughout this, this last year, throughout COVID, um, throughout even my transitions, I would say, you know, I said it before, I'll say it again, hurt and hope really can coexist. Um, I am an all in or nothing type of girl. And so it is truly hard for me to yeah, like, same. It's either, I'm either like super, super mad or I'm on your team or I'm not, you know? And I have had to learn that there is this complex view of the world and it's messy and it's right there in the in-between and it is not invalid either way. And there are going to be moments when hurt outweighs hope and hope outweighs hurt. And, and that is okay because we have the capacity and the capability to hold both at the same time time. And so even now, like right there in the messy middle part of your life, it is totally okay to hold on to hope while you are trudging through the hurtful places. Um, it's okay. Like that's, that's life. That's who we are. It's okay to cry and to laugh at a meme as you cry <laughs> down your timeline, right. you know, like we can hold that, that very beautiful and sacred space. And then the one thing I think, um, that really changed the game for me was I, I really did have to get friends. I really did intentionally pray for friends that, that had been through something. If I'm going to just be real, like, I, I, I mean, I think everyone has their own unique stories. And I think I have friends whose, whose lives have, you know, quote unquote, and this is not the, the pain comparison trap, but who quote unquote may not have been through as much trauma or the types of trauma and pain that I've been through. But then I have friends that have, and, and it has been so important for me. I just, it, it makes me feel so known to know that there's another woman who's, you know, all the way on the cross uh, America in California, who's also been through a divorce, who knows ministry life, who understands what it looks like to look your precious baby in the eye and, and remember all the pain from where that baby comes from. It, it makes me feel so much less alone. And so I would just say, you know, find you some friends who are on a healing journey too, who's been through some stuff. Listen to people who've been through some stuff. Don't just watch all the highlight reels of people's lives. Um, but listen for hurt, man. Listen for it and, and find hope in the middle of that. So 
Yep. Amen. Oh, so many good things said. And I want to just highlight as we're closing, you said it's life. I just want someone to hold on to that. It is life. These things happen. It isn't because there's something, you know, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, There isn't because there's something deficient in you or something's just wrong with you, you know, intrinsically. It is life. Divorce happens. It's unfortunate. It's unideal. But also ministry comes from it. Hope happens. Beautiful children come from it. You know, um, change of plans, they happen. It happens. It does that mean something's wrong with you. It is a part of life and it's just how we move and grow through those things. So just know that. Break off the shame that it's just you in the world that's, you know, going through something and something's wrong. No, it's life. It happens. These things happen. So, oh my gosh, thank you so much. This was such like a real talk. I love this conversation. Um, And I hope you guys really were encouraged and just got to, if anything, just feel affirmed. That's what I really wanted was for people in these seasons of life to just feel affirmed through this from two people who have really been in the trenches of a number of things. Goodness, yes. Are getting to do some really awesome things in the kingdom and in the world. Uh, so thank you so much. And for those who want to stay connected with you and all the other amazing things you're doing, where is the best place for them to find you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Tony J. Collier on everything, T-O-N-I-J-C-O-L-L-I-E-R. And I'm always posting about my cutie little women's ministry brand so you can find everything there for sure. I love just bragging on our team and talking about all the things that we're doing. Um, If you're looking for a safe space online, you can go to the Hopeful Woman Collective just on Facebook, ask to join. We have some pretty strict rules because it is a safe and confidential space. So Go view the rules. If it's something you can get down with, come on in. We'll take you right where you are in the middle of all the things that you're going through. So here you go. Amen. And can't wait to see all the awesome things you and Sam are going to be doing with the church and just following your journey. I know you have more coming. So be sure to look out for all the exciting things that Tony's doing. And thanks guys for listening until next time.